Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Okay, so we continue with our series on the Libra Soul. That's what we're dealing with this morning again, the Libra Soul. We started this last week. And I don't know how many of you were able to revise your note or listen to the message. And we're going to continue with that this morning. The Libra Soul. This part two. Our main text is Proverbs 11 verse number 25. Proverbs 11 verse 25. The Bible says, The Libra Soul shall be made fat. And he that water it shall be watered also himself. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. And I tried to make you understand this last week that when the Bible is talking about the liberal soul will be made fat, for he that watereth is going to be watered also himself. It's as simple as this. I made you understand that you cannot be watering your plant in the morning. And then you are not getting soaked. If you attempt to watch your plant, you just water your plant, whether it's a hose or bucket, whatever thing you're using to water your plant in the morning, your garden as the case may be, as you are doing that, you are getting soaked. And so when you release to people, they also come back to you. The measure you measure out, that's the measure that actually comes back to you. And the Bible is making us understand that the opposite of being liberal with a generosity is stinginess. Hallelujah. Okay, again, we take that from the message translation, Proverbs 11, verse 24. And this is what he said. He said, The wall of the generals gets larger and larger. The wall of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I need you to meditate on that. The wall of the generals, it gets larger and larger. But the wall of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. So the opposite of generosity is stinginess. And the Bible is saying, but he that is open up, I mean, liberal as the case may be now, he gets larger and larger, and things comes to him, even the thing that he seems to be giving out, they begin to come back to him. That's the principle that God has put in place. Hallelujah. You see, God walked in this life. He walks in this principle. What happened? He sowed one seed into the world. And what is happening now? He's harvesting the whole world. He sowed Christ into the world. He's harvesting the world. He's harvesting the very same kind of seed that he sowed into the world. He saw Christ, the very image and expression of God. Now he's stripping more people as the image and his own expression. So for God to get back, man who has fallen, to come to the same image of his, he has to sow the kind of image that he wants. And that the image is producing back to him the very fruit that's expected. He that is stingy, his wall gets smaller and smaller. Hallelujah. And I want you to get that. Okay, so go with me to Proverbs 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17. I like you to think on these things as we continue. He that pitieth, he that had pity upon the poor, 
lended unto the Lord. And that which he has given, will he pay him again? Hallelujah. He that had pity on the poor, lended unto the Lord. Can we take the simpler translation, anyone? He that lended unto the poor. He that had pity on the poor. It's a mercy to the needy. It's a loan to God. And God pays back those loans in full. Come on. Hallelujah. He that lends to the poor. He that had mercy on the poor. is a loan. Now you need to think about that. Anytime you take, go to the bank and maybe you give the bank a loan or give some money to the bank or you, 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 I mean, whatever the case may be, you know what that means. Interest accrues to your money that you give to the bank. When you actually put the money in the bank, ordinarily it's supposed to be a loan to the bank so that they trade with your money and they pay you profit. They pay you interest. Anytime you loan money to anybody, there's an interest that you put on the, on the, on the amount of money that have to go back to you. Anytime you loan that money, you are expecting interest to come along it. It could be 10 percent, it could be 20 percent, depending on the money lender. And the Bible is saying if you want to lend to God, if you want to give a loan to God, what is it supposed to do? You have mercy on the poor. Hallelujah. And the Bible says God said he's going to pay you in full. That is to say, Remember, every loan attracts interest. So if God is going to pay you in full, He's not just paying you what you gave out, He's paying you interest on what you gave out. Hallelujah. Are you listening here? And I want you to get this because this is the life God intended us to live. God is not intended us to be tight fisted. God is not intended us to close our eyes to people who are in need in the society or around the environment. God is not intending us to live as if we own the world and every other person have been not living on that cause. God is not intended us to live that way. Hallelujah. He is telling us if you loan to the poor, I mean the way for we to loan to the poor is to loan to God by having mercy on who? On the poor. Praise the living God. I want you to get this. And you begin to think around your environment, begin to think around yourself, and begin to watch out and see if you are actually living this life. Are you qualified for the interest of God? Are you qualified for God to pay you back anything? Think about that. I told us last week, the only way for you to have credit into your account is to have faith have debit. And we say that in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Remember that? And Paul was speaking to the Philippian church and said, When I was in need, only you would open an account of debit and credit on my behalf. Anytime you debited, there is a credit coming back to you. Think about that. At any point in time, praise the living God. If you are using your ATM card and you send money to somebody, that is a debit. And what happens when people pay you back? That's what? A credit. So anytime you loan money out, or you help the poor, or you help somebody else, what are you doing? You are debiting yourself. So what's the next thing that happens? There's a credit coming to you. Anytime you do that, expect a return. God will pay you full. He will pay you in full. You are not going to miss out. You are not going to lose out. Praise the living God. Amen? Alright. Go with me to Proverbs 22 verse number 9. Proverbs 22, verse number 9. I wish somebody can pick what I'm saying so that you begin to live the life of real blessing. That your heart be open, your spirit be open to give, to give as much as you can, as God can enable you. Alright. Proverbs 22, verse number 9. King James first. Either heart a bountiful eye shall be blessed. For he giveth of his bread 
to the poor. He that hath the bountiful eyes shall be blessed. For he giveth his bread to the poor. Let's say this from the Amplified Translation. If you can find it. He who has a bountiful eye shall be blessed for a gift of his bread to the poor. Praise the Lord. Amen. He that has a bountiful eye, that he who is prepared to release, he who is prepared to give, he who is prepared to minister, the Bible says, shall be blessed. In other words, you have to have that understanding. Anytime you read about eyes, you are talking about the vision. You are talking about an understanding. Bible talks about the eyes of understanding being enlightened. So he that had the bountiful eyes, have the understanding what it takes to give, how that in giving you receive. Praise the living God. Amen. The message translation again says, Proverbs 22 verse 9, Generous hand are blessed hand because they give bread to the poor. I like this. Generous hands are blessed hand. Hallelujah. Is anybody getting this? Generous hands are what? Blessed hand. Why? Because they give bread to the poor. How blessed are your hands? Think about it. You see, we are good at singing, Abraham blesses a mind. We've had those songs going on. We've even confessed it. But how many of us are really walking in the way Abraham walked? Even when he gave tithes unto Melchizedek, nobody told him to do that. You remember that? When he gave out the portion of land, think about it. Look at a lot, his genial brother. Come to him. Because there are problems there. And a lot have to come to Abraham. In fact, it was Abraham that went to Lot. Let's not have all of this problem. Make a choice. Choose whatever you want to have. I give it to you. And you have it to yourself. Abraham was a blessed man. Not because first he got blessed all along. But he understand the principle. He was working with the principle. Like I said, nobody told him there was no law. Of Moses to tell him to go tie to Melchizedek? No. But he acknowledged God. That's a bountiful spirit. That's a man who is willing. That's a man who is committed from his own spirit. To release. And the Bible made us to understand. Abraham was blessed. Praise the living God. I was saying this to somebody the other time when they asked me a question. Remember. The Bible made us to understand that even Levi. Pay tight in the loins of Abraham. So are you surprised that when God finally was given the law, he now said the tithe should go to Levi? Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth. So if in the loins of Abraham, Levi paid tithe, and when God was apportioning the people, he now said all the tithe belongs to Levi. You can't mess with God. You can't mock God. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Praise the living God. For the generous hand, a blessed hand, because what? They give bread to the poor. Now go with me now, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 8. Second Corinthians 9, verse number 8. And God is able... To make all grace abound towards you. That you also having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God, hallelujah, is able 
to make all grace abound towards you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound toward every good work. What's a good work? Because you have, by implication, whatever things you have is the grace of God. Whether it be money, wealth, whatever is the grace of God. And God said, He made this grace available to you so that you may have all sufficiency and in turn do good works. What are the good works? You're blessing people. You're ministering to people. Jesus, the Bible says, he went about doing good. What was his good? Healing people. Meeting the need of the poor. So one of the major reasons that God has to enable you to have resources in your hand is so that you may have sufficiency more than enough to do good works. I begin to think sometimes too that when you fail to walk in this grace there is a way God shut it down. It's like he withdraws the grace. Because the purpose of the grace for you to have a sufficiency is that you may do good works. Praise the Lord. Verse number 9. As it is written... He had dispersed abroad. He had given to the poor. His righteousness remained forever. Praise God. So your giving work towards your righteousness. Increases your righteousness. Establishes your righteousness. That's your righteous work. His righteousness abided forever. Remains forever. He who has a bountiful eyes. He who have open hands to other people. His righteousness. Praise God. Verse number 10. Now he that means a seed to the sower. God that means a bread for your food. And multiply your seed sown. And increase the fruit of what? Your righteousness. You can begin to see how your righteousness is connected to seed sowing. The liberal soul. Are you still there with me? Now, there is something I need to get you to understand it. Here, I minister seed to the sower, but minister bread for your food. So, there are two things. He minister seed, he also minister bread. Now, you don't have to eat your seed in place of your bread. For when you eat your seed, you have nothing to sow. By implication, it is as you minister seed, bread comes out. He makes the sufficiency. He enables you for that seed with your soul to produce so that you have your bread. But if you have your seed and you eat your seed, then you can't be thinking about having bread. For he that ministers seed to the sower also ministers bread unto the same person. So you must understand at any point in time which is my bread, which is my seed. If a farmer, my, my dad was a farmer, my parents were farmer. I know what used to happen. That at the end of every, every season of harvest, there are specific seed that they have to put aside. If I were they are harvesting yam, there are some they put aside. That this one, no, this one for planting, this one for eating. They separate them. And what happened? In the next planting season, those seeds that they kept aside are the ones they are going to take to the farm to plant again. There are seeds for planting. 
You don't eat the seed God gave to you to sow. If you eat the seed you are giving to sow, you will have no bread. The time of harvest will come. We will have nothing to harvest because you never sowed anything. He's telling us that any time you have opportunity to do good, do it. Because it's going to come back to you a hundredfold. Hallelujah, somebody. If you have a privilege to do good, do it. Don't think about your wallet. Don't think about your power. Don't think about your state. If there is a witness in your spirit to do good, do it. Irrespective of what you have. Irrespective of what's in your wallet. Don't think about that. As a matter of fact, if you have a witness to give, that is to soul God is just preparing you or testing you to see how much you're going to invest. Every opportunity to sow is a privilege for harvest. God has initiated that. Praise the living God. Verse number 11 says this. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which was a through our thanksgiving to God. Oh, glory to God. You have your seed, you have your bread. God, through His grace, has given you the privilege to have that harvest. And in doing good, thanksgiving goes to God. This is the way it works. I bless you. And the first thing I'm going to say, other than maybe thank you, you end up saying thank God for your life. Did you get that? Every good you do, thanksgiving goes to who? To God. So if you want more people to thank God, bless more people. Did you get that? Your ministration is bringing thanksgiving to God. I bless you. He said, thank God for your life. The first person you are going to mention is God. If not for you, thank God for your life. God, I thank you for using this brother. I thank you for sending that sister to me. The thanksgiving goes to God. The more good we give to people, the more praises that goes to God. That's where your righteousness is increasing. The liberal soul shall be made fat. God's word is tested, proven seven times perfect. It can fail. Try it. It's an experiment. You will ever get results. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Verse number 12. For the administration of this service, not only supply the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto who? Unto God. Many thanksgiving goes to God. By this administration, by this experiment, by your desire to make people happy. Many thanksgiving goes back to God. My question to you these days is, how many people have you ever made to praise God just because you ministered to them? How many people have you for once at any point in time done something for and they say, man, I thank you. Praise the living God. I remember one time somebody contacted me. He was out of this outside of this country. And he just spoke to me and said, please, my family is in their need. And I want to be honest with you, I have nothing in my account. I had a witness of how much you send. He sent me the wife's account and I did that. And the report that came to me, man, God have used you to save a soul. There is joy when you bless people. 
you are even happier when you bless people. For when people are happy, you are happy. And thanksgiving goes to God. This administration, this principle of living makes many thanks to go back unto the Father. How many people have you ever caused to give thanks to God because of your giving and generosity? Hallelujah. You know, last week I tried to explain to you where people will fight the issue of tithe, to fight tithe, because it's a difficult thing. As a matter of fact, I don't blame people when they fight it. Because how many of you want to have, you know, maybe 10 million and want to give 1 million out? That's crazy. Huh? You want to write a check of 1 million? No, it's crazy. Your human spirit will never allow you to do that. That's the level of stinginess. So one of the things that tight really does for you is to break you out of being stingy. And don't forget, he that watereth will have others what? Watered, watered himself also. And the God that is bountiful, the Bible made us understand, we increase larger and larger, but the stingy man will continue to become smaller and smaller. So one of the things that destroys stinginess in your life, greed in your life, is the principle of Titan. If nothing else, that will help you. You see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. You have one million, you want to think about giving a million, I mean, I mean, hundred thousand out? How can that be? To who? Oh, that's why it's, I mean, all the philosophy coming up. Who is eating? Is it not the pastor that is eating it? Are you sure you are really giving it to God? That's when you start thinking. Even those of you who have not even gone to school to study psychology. That's when you start working in psychology. Who is eating it? Huh? It must be the pastor. Is he going to the church? But do you know how much the pastor really spends on the church? Do you know how many people the pastor really cares for? Do you know how the money of the pastor goes in to supporting people, to supporting the weak in the church? Do you know? Hallelujah. I remember when <laughs> resident pastor, Pastor Gospar, came in here and we were talking one day, saying, man, uh, this place, the thing is serious here. Why? Because it's all the kind of demand that comes in every day. The kind of pressure and then I tell him, you have to taste a little bit of it too. Huh. When, have you, when text message keep on coming, Pastor, I've not eaten. Pastor, my rent is due. Pastor, my child is due. Pastor, my school fees is due. Do they call you? And then you think the pastor goes to the church post to meet all these needs? It's sheer wickedness to think that the pastor is eating tight. They don't know how much burden is upon the pastor. For being a pastor of the church. They don't know how much body he carries. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Your goodwill brings thanksgiving unto who? Unto God. Amen. I wish some of you will begin to imbibe that spirit. I wish some of you will begin to look inward from this moment. And begin to think that of a truth. There is something about giving that I must practice because it is a life of God. For God so loved that you gave. And now so let's look something in the book of First Peter chapter 4. Message translation and verse number 8. 
First Peter 4, verse number 8. Hallelujah. It's a most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Let us sink in. Love each other as if your life depended on loving each other. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bear to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you. Passing them around so that all get in on it. If worse, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's healthy help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus Christ. And he will get all the credits. Who gets the credit? God. As the one mighty in everything and does to the end of time. Oh yes. Praise the living God. Can you see that on the board? What you're giving those. Love is a love each other as if your life depend on love. You can't beat God. You can only become part of God in what he does. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's quickly go on because I have somebody I want to show you before the time runs out here. Hebrews 13 verse 16. Hallelujah. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. To do good and to communicate, forget not. You can forget everything, but this one, don't forget it. And God calls this medium a sacrifice that is well pleasing unto him. How do you intend to please God? Praise the living God. How do you intend to please the Father? To do good and to communicate. Forget not. For we saw sacrifices is well pleasing unto God. God is well pleased with that. So sacrifices of doing good, of communicating. God is well pleasing. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I, I, I imagine. I remember one time I was in Lagos. I went for a meeting. And I was invited to Oyedepo Church. Long time ago. And I went there and, I, and they took me to a section of the building. That man had some wisdom in working with God. The whole section of that building were full of materials, clothes, shoes, name it, that members have donated into that store. So they have a new member come to the church who is in need. They take you to the store. You collect whatever thing you need. That's how to live. Some of us have clothes that are fighting the space of our bedrooms. When nothing comes out. But yet your sister, your brother, they wear the same dress to service on the road every day. You see them 
When it is time to go out, you, you, you have headache to make a choice. You don't know which one to take. Because when you look at your wardrobe, you say, which am I going to Which one fit this occasion? The place is full and more are coming in. You never think of your neighbor. You never think of your brother. No. But the Bible said to love one another. It says it's such a life that you should live it as if your life depends on loving one another. Are you with me? To do good and to communicate. Forget not. For we saw sacrifices. God is well pleased. Prayer, praise, thanksgiving to God, with all of charity and mercy to man, are the sacrifices which every genuine follower of Christ must offer. Listen, don't tell me you know how to pray and you don't know how to give. Don't tell me you know how to give thanks and you don't know how to give. Don't tell me you know how to worship God and you don't know how to give. No, something is missing. This is one of the things that pleases God. I mean, if you remember the case of the first Gentile that got the battle of the Holy Spirit, Colinius, what was the report that the angel gave? He said, Colinius, your prayers and your alms given have become a memorial before God. Your prayers and your alms given. Don't be a prayer warrior and you don't know how to give to people. Don't be a praise warrior or whatever name you want to call that. I don't know how to give to people. No. Your prayers and your thanksgiving, I mean your thanksgiving, have become a memorial before God. That is to say, every good gift, everything you do, every ministration you have, is being stored up in the heavens for you. There is a record of every good thing you do. Your good gifts and your prayers are becoming memorial before God. So many of us know how to pray, but we don't know how to give. Now, if I may ask you, how many of you in this house have one hand? Mm-hmm. All of us have two hands. This is your prayer. This is your arms given. You have two hands. When you bring them together, they become a memorial before God. By implication, your prayer goes faster when you know how to give. Come on here. Are you still following what I'm talking about? I will show you something. Let me see how far I can go. Let me give you a simple illustration. From the book of Luke chapter 23. You can read from verse 48. But I'll give you the background to that. When Jesus died. We're going to from verse 50. Luke chapter. What did I say? Luke chapter what? Chapter 23. And verse 15. There's a background to this story. This is when Jesus was crucified on the cross. Right? Remember everybody deserted him? But I have a story for you here. Hallelujah. Verse 15. And behold, there was a man named Joseph. He's actually Joseph of Arimathea. A counselor, and he was a good man. Everybody say he was a good man. And just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went into Pilate 
and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in a linen and laid it up in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone wherein no man before was laid. Glory to God. Get the picture. Everybody has deserted him. And this Joseph of a man, remember he was, he was of the Sahendrin. He was a notable man. He was of the same rank with Nicodemus. Right? This man, now I want to ask you a question. What do you need a dead body for? Tell me. This guy was rich. This guy had the rightful position in the society. He was well respected. He had need of nothing. What do you need a dead body for? This is where vision is important. This is where sowing into the house of God is important. This is where doing things for the kingdom is important. This man, the Bible says, was waiting for what? The kingdom of God. He saw the kingdom in that body. And for the Jews, better get this right. Their barrier is so important to them. Can imagine people like Abraham, even when he was given a free space to bury Sarah, he said, no, I must pay for it. He paid for the land. They so value their barrier that you literally can build your grave before you die. And because Joseph was such a rich man, he already held his grave. Now it's not just something they dig, it's something they carved out on a rock. So he must have paid so much money to heal that place out for his body. He donated his investment unto Jesus. Why do you think his name is in the book? Was he the only one that was a scientist? Was he the only man that was rich as a Jewish man? He donated the best. This was supposedly the last thing that would indicate his wealth. He gave it out unto Jesus because he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He had a vision. So one of the reasons we are unable to do what we are supposed to do is because we have no vision about God's kingdom. We don't know that when we minister to his body, we minister to God and that is why there's a reward at the end of the day. Are you following me? Look at John. John 19 verse 39. John 19 39 the Bible says, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of mine and aloes. About a hundred pound weight. Oh glory. So think about that. This is the same. Say these two guys. I would say they were timid initially. They were so fearful. They were so afraid. So that they don't take them away from the council. But when Jesus died. The fear disappeared. They know we must identify with this man. Nicodemus used to go to Jesus in the night. But now he came in the afternoon. Can you get what I'm talking about? And the Bible tells us if you take time to study what is spent on Jesus, you'll be amazed. If you have a conviction, what you spend will not be a problem to you. If you have a conviction of where you are, of what you believe in, what you spend will not be an issue. You know what? These were meant to spice up the body to prevent it from decaying. So they were preserving the body of Christ, which is you and I. With their own wealth, with their own life. Are you listening to me? Do you have an idea about God's kingdom? Do you have a single thought 
about the church you are attending? Do you have anything to do with the body of Christ? Do you think about the body of Christ? This woman went and invested. They invested in the church. A dead corpse. They said, give him, give him to me, give him to us. Right? And they took him, give him to an open grave. The grave prepared. What he has prepared for his life, he gave it out to Jesus. Which is the body. Hallelujah. And that is why the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah 53, and he said he made his bed with the rich. Can you get one talking banner? That is to say, every one of us are called to fulfill scriptures as we relate to the church. If you can, you write your name in gold. If you can think about the church and want to do for the church, you write your name in gold. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I'm taking you on a journey as we continue this Libra soul. Praise the living God. So if you are ashamed before of the church, identify with the church. These people have seen what Jesus, but when his body has come to the place of being preserved, they identify with Jesus. If there's anything that makes you to be ashamed of the church, let it die today in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't be afraid. I mean, ashamed of the body of Christ. No. Nicodemus was doing that in the evenings, in the night. Joseph Arimathias believed but never showed up. But when they died, they went and got the body and invested. Why? Because they saw a kingdom which is a church of God. Praise the living God. May you have the right vision in your life. May you have the right vision in your life. Let's take this last scripture and I'll be done for today. Daniel chapter 4 verse number 26. Glory to God. Daniel 4, 26 and 27 I read. Where are they commanded? Now here was a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, a big tree, and then it was called down, the stop was left. You couldn't have interpretation and you have to call Daniel to interpret this dream that he had. And here was the interpretation that he gave to him. After all the interpretation, he now gave him an answer. I mean, counsel. What was the counsel he gave to him? And what are they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots? Thy kingdom shall be shown to thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thy iniquities by doing what? Showing mercy to the poor if it may be what? A lightning of thy tranquility lightning of thy days healing of thy arrows it might be a lightning of thy tranquility thy peace God wants to increase your peace, wants to multiply your peace by the mercy that you show. Take my cancer from you. And I'm saying the same thing to you today. Just like Daniel spoke to the king, take my cancer. I'm showing you something that is going to increase and multiply your peace, your tranquility. Something that's going to cause you to be at peace. Take my cancer from you. It will increase your righteousness. Hallelujah. Let's take this from the message translation. 
So king, take my advice. Church, take my advice. Hallelujah. Make a clean break with your sins. And sound living for others. Glory to God. Make what? A clean break with your sins. In other words, what you're going to do to break from sin is to live for others. That's why the Bible says, love covereth multitude of sins. Quit your wicked life and look after the needs of the down and out. Then you will continue to have what? A good life. There is life and there is a good life. Are you with me? Everybody looks very calm. I'm sure you are receiving what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Look at verse 28. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar. I mean to what? King Nebuchadnezzar. Amen? Quit. Break away from your sin. You want to live a good life? Then you come to the place of ministering to the need of people. Take my advice, Daniel said. And I'm saying to everyone listening who cares to hear, take my advice. The Bible says it will bring you to the place of tranquility. A level of peace that ordinarily you can't even pray for. I've come to see that it's not just enough to pray for peace. There are ways you go to have peace. There are ways you go to have joy. There are things you can do that will produce joy in your life. Take my counsel. Break with your past. Get out of your wickedness. By implication, who is a wicked man? The man that does not meet the need of others. The man that does not think about the downtrodden. The man that does not consider those who are oppressed in the society. They are wicked people. Don't be a wicked man. Quit being a wicked man. And start thinking about the downtrodden. Those who are in and out. Start thinking about them. So that God himself will break your sins away. And give you the peace that ordinarily you can even pray for. That may increase what? Your tranquility. Everyone of us want peace. Am I right? And God said this is a way to have the peace. And God is saying he will increase that peace when you come to this level. How are you going to do that? Be concerned with other people. Sin, king. Lock and send out. So king, take my advice. Make a clean break with your sins. And I'll start living for others. Quit your wicked life and look after the needs of the down and out. Then you will continue to have what? A good life. There's a big difference, like I said, between life and what? A good life. This is a life that is qualified. This one qualifies this life. A good life. So there's a wicked life. What's a wicked life? We don't think about other people. We don't consider what, what the needs of others. We don't think about the body of Christ. We don't think about the church. You're living a wicked life. May God help his house. I say, may God help his house. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.